We're talking Jair Tig Brown, new 49ers safety. Is he the new starting safety for the San Francisco 49ers? They traded up to get him in the third round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Strengths, weaknesses, what can he be? What will he be for the 49ers? Coming up right now. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Croc, here we go. We've talked a lot about the 49ers first draft pick, as usually happens on our live stream. And shout out to everybody joining us live all weekend long, talking draft and everybody um, listening up on the uh, podcast as well. All the everydayers out there. We appreciate you. And Croc has dived, done a deep dive into the film. I've been looking a lot more at all the 49ers prospects, especially Tig Brown, as he wants to be called. Nicknamed for Tigger. That was his favorite uh, cartoon growing up. Oh. So uh, he's bouncing so around. Like you get a nickname of a nickname? Yeah, exactly. Like, like my nickname is Tigger, but then just call me Tig. Yeah, yeah. It's a shortened version. Like, That's too long. Let's go Tig. So uh, <laughs> Jair Tig Brown is uh, the 49ers' newest draft pick. The 49ers traded up from 99 to 87 to get him in the third round. And uh, he really interesting nugget here with him because I saw his buddy Jaquan Brisker, who Croc, both you and I watched a lot of Jaquan Brisker. We liked him for the 49ers last year as an interchangeable safety. And his teammate at Penn State was Tig Brown, uh, interchangeable safety. That's the guy he was interchanging with. And he was congratulated on draft day by his former teammate, Jaquan Brisker. And he talked about something even pre Penn State that I didn't know about. So uh, Tig Brown went to community college before Lackawanna College in Pennsylvania, where he was teammates there with Jaquan Brisker, too. So imagine going up against that community college that had two future top 100 safeties on a defense. Uh, pretty amazing there. So uh, those guys were attached at the hip through junior college, then at Penn State, and then now making their own paths in the NFL. Jaquan Brisker drafted by the Chicago Bears in the second round last year. And now Tig Brown is a member of the San Francisco 49ers going at number 87 overall this year. When he first got to Penn State, it was the COVID year 2020. He appeared in nine games, but didn't start any games, only had six tackles, didn't play a lot in that first year. But then it was a two-year starter, 2021 and 2022. 2021 alongside Jaquan Brisker, and then uh, after Brisker was gone to the NFL in 2022, 13 games started each season of his last two years for Brown. He had... Uh, 10 total interceptions those two years. I mean, just getting the ball, his hands on a lot of footballs. 11 pass defense in 2021. Seven passes defensed in 2022. He even added four and a half sacks last year, Croc. He didn't have any sacks the year before, but four and a half sacks uh, lining up close to the line of scrimmage. Seven tackles lost to put into perspective. Four sacks and tackles for loss that edge rusher uh, Robert Beal, who the 49ers drafted in the fifth round, got at Georgia. So uh, he was he was all over the place, getting his hands on footballs, making tackles behind the line, making a lot of plays. And watching the tape crop, you definitely see Tig Brown making a ton of plays on that Penn State defense. Yeah, well, and the crazy thing is, with the breakdown that I did, and I, I think I went over two or three games or so, and, you know, you kind of just watch it. Even though he didn't have a takeaway or a sack in those uh, few games that I broke down, you still could see, like, just this high-level, high-energy uh, ability, right? I mean, just flying all over the field. 
I'd watch him cover one guy and then the ball be thrown to somebody else and he just kind of seamlessly float off of the guy he was covering and then just go kill a guy that he really had nothing to do with when the play started. And you just see like a, a guy with that type of motor really reminded me a lot of Talano Hufunga who just, they put themselves in positions just to just make plays. And there's no coincidence that he had 10 interceptions in two years, the only two years he played at Penn State because of just how he plays. And, and that was one thing that I loved. So a lot of the talent evaluators on television, obviously the 49ers as well, were really high on them. Some guys had them as their safety one. I saw a lot of people say they had them as a safety two. And I could definitely see why when you cut on the film and you see just that type of tenacity. It's hard to overlook. He was third team all Big Ten both years. He led the team in tackles last year. Not only did he have those interceptions, which led the team with four last year, he also had a 70-yard fumble return for a touchdown last year. Yeah. Team MVP and also team captain. So uh, a lot of accolades for Tig Brown last year as the dude, the captain, the team MVP of the Penn State Nittany Lions in the 2022 season. And it's all about and that's the tough too. That, that's tough to do when you're a guy like him who's a junior college transfer. You know, you come in, you know, these guys, they don't know you like that. But then you come in and it's just like, I'm stepping in at a power five school who they are recruiting their butts off as well. You know, like this isn't just the, I don't know, Ball State. And I say that because I know somebody from Ball State, but this isn't just like a normal college. Like this is Penn State. They've been doing a great job. I want to say what, the head coach Franklin has been recruiting extremely well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They can't get the quarterback situation right. You know, they have Levis and I guess it still makes sense to take left. But anyways, uh, defensively, they have a lot of guys that are like ballers. And when watching his film, I see these corners jumping out. There's another safety. I think he was number three. He's balling. I'm like, gosh, they got guys all over the field that are doing well. And he was the leader of that coming from a junior college, not a guy that started off as a freshman and kind of worked his way up through the ranks. It's like, man, I came here for one year. I balled out. I had six interceptions. Now, yeah, I'm team captain. I'm this, I'm that. And follow that up with another four interceptions and play extremely well and obviously well enough to get drafted. And has it been confirmed if he was a gold helmet guy for the 49ers yet? Uh, they talked about his personality. They haven't, I don't know if I've seen that they actually said he was a gold helmet guy or not. So um, let us know in the comments on YouTube or at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard every single word from the post draft press conferences yet or, and read every word written by the, the beat writers about these guys yet, just because we are doing so much of our own work around draft time and going live and all those things, uh, partially at the time that John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan were speaking. So I haven't heard if he was a gold helmet guy, but he's a gold helmet type, if not. Definitely. So interesting. It's it's all about the tape and all the player, all the analysts, everybody that really likes him. I'm sure the 49ers, uh, you know, it's all about personality. It's all about the tape. It's all about um, what kind of a leader, what kind of a person you're bringing into the building. That's all really important because when you look at just the measurables, that's where he might fall short as a prospect. 5'3 and 3'8, 203 pounds at the combine. He only ran a 4.65 at the combine, which is slow for a starting NFL safety. 4.58, a little faster time at his pro day. 35 and a half inch vertical at his pro day. 10.4 broad jump, pretty much improved on everything across the board. And those at are good his, numbers too, by the way. That that broad jump, that vertical jump, like those are good. Those are good. Yeah, numbers. those are those are rock solid. 4.21 in the short shuttle, which is pretty good too. And then 18 bench press reps. So he puts in work, and he didn't like his testing at the at the combine. Uh, which is usually a fast track, but he came back to his pro day and he improved. So I just love seeing that. You know, he's he's clearly a guy who works, clear, clearly a guy who cares. And that comes out in, you know, his personality comes out in his play as well. 
No, definitely. I'd say there were people kind of getting on me because I didn't give him a great grade. And just when I'm watching film and I watch all of it and I can tell you, I can really tell you pretty much everything about him. Like, and all the things that I really like about him. And he is definitely my type of football player. I just would, would hope or wish that he just had a little bit more natural speed for like whatever plans I would have. Because when you look at the film and as versatile as, as he is, all the areas that they utilize him in, too high, single high, in the box, covering slots. You would ideally like the guys just have a little bit more athleticism. You talked a lot about Jaquan Brisker. Brisker, coming out of Penn State, was a guy, 6'1", 200 pounds, ran a 4'4", 40, you know, at the combine, 22 reps on the bench press. So, like, the bench press, I don't care about, but the 40-yard dash, it just gives you a little bit more of that athletic ceiling with just kind of what you can do. And to kind of paint a picture for people, and a lot of times I use myself, who I just naturally was not the fastest person, and maybe I hold that against other people, because I know as well as I played at times, and anybody you talk to, they'd be like, yeah, Croc was a dog, but I knew my limitations. And I knew when guys had a certain type of speed, man, I had to defend them a different way. And it made me very vulnerable in coverage, uh, depending on the type of speed that this per this person had. And maybe I should have just went and played safety uh, because of my type of speed, right, or the lack thereof. But I just know I would have had trouble at this and this, or I did have trouble at these certain things, and it was really hard for me to overcome because I didn't have – that top end, top end speed. So when I see a guy like him and at the combine, which is pretty much as accurate as it gets, even on that fast track, we ran a four, six, five. So in my eyes, you are a four, six, five type guy. And when you're out there in space against some of these guys that are just faster or they run their routes at a high speed, it can just be a little difficult based on what I'm asking you to do. So that's not so much the biggest knock on him is just, there might just be things I don't do with you, right? And, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin, I keep throwing their names out. Yeah, they're probably two of the best safeties in the league. But there's not one thing that I'll say, I don't want him, I don't want this guy doing that. Like, I don't want Derwin doing, I don't want yeah. uh, Minka doing this. And Talanoa Hufunga is like, well, Hufunga, you do do a lot of things well. I would ideally not, like, I don't want to have to put him in this position. And I Thing, and we'll see how it all plays out. But even with Tick Brown, as well as he does a lot of things, it's like, okay, let me make sure that I utilize him to his full strength and don't put him in a position where he's likely going to be a little bit more vulnerable. So because of that, that's when I start talking about, all right, I really like a lot of things. I think it's a high-end safety doing these things. But because I won't ask him a lot to do these other things, I would knock him down a little bit on, on my board based on that. But that doesn't mean that I don't think he's a terrific football player. And it also doesn't mean that he can't prove me wrong and other people and overcome that, which I still would be right with the ability that I think he has. More on the specifics of the scouting report, the, the strengths and weaknesses, what we saw in film from Tig Brown at Penn State and kind of in the same vein there, Croc, I want to talk about athletes and what the 49ers are targeting in the draft versus what some other teams are targeting in the drafts because some really interesting relative athletic scores out there from some certain draft classes around the NFL. Next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel right now during the NBA playoffs. Man, fantastic NBA playoffs so far. 
Steph throwing up 50 in a game seven. And now, of course, it's Warriors and Lakers that's going to have uh, all eyes on it over here in the West Coast and including the uh, members of this podcast. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action in the NBA than America's number one sports book. And man, how did how fun were those uh was the NFL draft to bet on? I hope you listened to the the props I've been telling you about. I was like, go under on the quarterbacks. Uh, not only was it under four and a half, it was under four. It was only three quarterbacks in the first round. Uh Hendon Hooker going much later. I, t- I tried to tell everybody about it. Hendon Hooker wasn't going in the first round. He ended up going third round to the Detroit Lions. So much fun to bet on baseball every single day. We've got hockey playoffs as well, and there's no better place than FanDuel. And you can get involved at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay. So kind of starting with the weaknesses there and looking at that physical profile, like pretty average size. It's not a, it's not a detriment five eleven and three eights, 203 pounds, but he's not, you know, he's not six two two twenty or anything like that. He's, you know, it's, it's not a, it's pretty average speed. Some of the workout numbers are okay. It's, it's the top end speed is the big weakness. I think right here. And is it maybe the only weakness in, in the game of Tig Brown, because I do see one of the things, and again, this is that this is sort of the thing that brings it back to Talanoa Hufanga, which uh, it's easy to compare those two guys just because every 49ers fan that's listening to this podcast can picture in their mind how Hufanga plays the game and what he looks like, like how energetic he is and um, you know how quick he is to trigger on plays and how active he is. He seems like he's everywhere. Seems like there's two of them on the field sometimes. That's how it is watching Tig Brown, in my opinion. But he also can come in a little... Uh, a, a little out of control, and I, I saw too many missed tackles on tape. And so it, it's a minor thing because you don't want to change the way someone plays. And I think you brought this up. You said it's easier to ask a player to tone it down than to ask somebody to, to bring more and get their energy level up. So it's a good thing, but it does make him miss some plays too. And I, and I think that's something that we've seen uh, hurt Talano Hufanga when he's like, oh, I see QB scrambling. I'm going to get him. And all of a sudden it's like, QB stops and Justin Fields is like, oh, cool. Nobody's covering that dude. And I can make that throw. So I'm going backside across the field deep because there's no safety there anymore. So um, energetic, but it can get him in trouble at times. But you also wouldn't want to take it away because it's one of his strengths. You talked about Talanoa Funga against the Chicago Bears. And what else did Hufunga do in that game? Although he gave a touchdown, he also got an interception. And that's kind of the yeah. give and take with some of these guys where maybe they are a little bit more aggressive, but well, Hufunga, it's hard to tell him, tone it down. Oh, you missed this tackle. Because there's also some really good tackles with him flying in around the line of scrimmage, taking guys out. And you do see a lot of that with Tig Brown. I mean, there's times sideline to sideline, chasing guys down, you know, tackling them, uh, very aggressive, very physical. But then also coming downhill, maybe a little out of control. Oh, he missed this tackle because maybe he didn't wrap up. Uh, I saw another play against the Michigan Wolverines, which is tough. Blake Corum, I think he is a terrific running back, probably one of the more difficult running backs to bring down in space. Uh, and he got him out in space. It was one-on-one, and he just gave him a little move, cut back. It might have been Corum. It might have been number seven. It might have been Edwards, I think his name is. All right, but one of the running backs from Michigan, they're both game-breaker type backs. And he got out there in the open field, and it was just seven on 16. 
and 16 just lost. Like he just whiffed, completely whiffed. And it's difficult. That is a very difficult position to be in out there in the open field one-on-one with a running back. I think we saw that with Jimmy Ward against the Detroit Lions and uh, Swift, where it was just Jimmy Ward and Swift, and he just made Jimmy Ward missing. Like that's just a tough position to be in. But you want to see a guy make that tackle, obviously. There were several other ones where he just kind of comes flying in, and sometimes like, "Uh, did he close his eyes? Uh, on the quarterback against you uh, for Utah, Utah quarterback scrambling upfield and he just misses, like just completely whips. I don't even, he didn't even like touch him. So I would say the the missed tackles is something that is it can be alarming, but it's tough because there's also some really good tackles, and I don't want him to turn down that just tenacity that he plays with because I think that's what ultimately gets him in a lot of position to make the plays, whether it's the ten interceptions in two years or the fumble recovery for a touchdown, as you alluded to earlier. And I do want to talk about the athleticism really quick because um, it's not just a 40 time. You don't just see a 4.65 and go, ah, he's slow. And, and there, there are times where it does show up. And um, when I first watched him, I was like, hey, you know, I don't really see him need more speed hardly ever. But um, thanks to you, I did see that you, you brought to my attention that run against, uh, it was, uh, it was oh, Ohio State. State, right? The Ohio State running back. And he outran the angle on him and you see Tig Brown like uh, trying. He's like, oh man, I'm not going to get there. I can't, I can't, I can't reach this dude. He's going to get the corner on me and he's going to get the sideline and he's going to run for a touchdown. And so you do see a lack of top end speed occasionally on tape. And you had said, well, I hope that running back is a four, three type guy. And I'm like, well, you look like a big back. I don't know what his 40 yard dash is, but it wasn't like it was one of those small jitterbug type guys. He bursted up the middle Broke to the outside, and it looked like Tig had a good angle on him to be able to get him. And the running back just said, you're not catching me, dude, and just literally just outran him. So those are the things right there where I'm like, well, if he was a 4-5-2, and that's not blazing, but all right, if he's a 4-5-2 guy, does he make that tackle? And there were a couple of sideline-type plays where, you know, he's, he's trying to get over the top, and boom, the receiver catches it. He's kind of right there. There was another one against Ohio State that was actually incomplete, but – he wasn't even close. He ended up being like five yards away. And those are the things where I'm just – I'm trying to visualize, is that a speed issue or is that, well, I just didn't have a good jump on it. And, and that could be the case too because I can probably put on the film of Jaquan Brisker and maybe there's some that he wasn't able to get to, right? So I don't want to like really hold it to him, but hold that like just on him. But it just felt like, man – you can kind of create a narrative if you want to that, oh, these happen because he's slower. I don't know if that's the case, but that definitely is what crossed my mind when I saw those plays. All around, though, uh, a lot more positives than negatives on Tig Brown. I love the way he plays. He makes so many plays. He's energetic. He's smart. He seems to be in the right place and uh, at the right time in most cases. And so uh, to finish this up on Tig Brown before we talk about just athletic testing in general and and different philosophies when drafting players, Croc, uh, using two teams, one in the 49ers specifically, what do you think Tig Brown can be? Like how how like what do you think he is and what do you think he can be for the 49ers? You know, I think he's a guy that definitely is going to eventually work his way into a starting lineup. I think a guy that just has that type of just the the, the person that he is, that it sounds like I always bet on those type of guys. So, okay, lacks a little bit on the high-end speed guy, whatever, he's a safety. Uh, but when you hear about just obviously the playmaking ability, you know, who he is, vote, being voted team captain after coming in as a junior college transfer, having to work it, work his way up as a junior college transfer, 
make those type of plays. Hopefully he is a gold helmet type guy because that's how it comes off. Uh, all of those things make me believe, okay, this is a guy that's going to get after it at the NFL level. And coming from Penn State, I mean, they're getting coached up over there pre pretty well. I think he should be ready for this type of opportunity. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does. It, he feels like eventually a starter, a guy that you're cool with, uh, uh, Tayshawn Gibson walking away because you like what this kid brings and he'll have his opportunity. Now, the other thing I think about is this is your chance and you got to kind of make a move year one to where they believe in you kind of like they did Hufunga because if not, next year early in the draft, they'll be like, uh, who are the top safeties? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Because that can happen quick too. That can happen really quick on you. It's like the Texans. You draft a third round quarterback and Davis Mills. And then all of a sudden it's like, God, ah, but we could use a first round qu quarterback too. And then all of a sudden, guess what? You're back up forever. And so if you don't win that job, then you don't win that job. Uh, really interesting. And I, and I can't wait to watch him play. I think he's gonna be really fun to play. And I have a feeling he's gonna be a guy that plays up because of, of how he's wired. And I think that's something that you're going to hear a lot about a lot of the 49ers draft picks in this class because they're betting on people. They're betting on play styles more so than they're betting on athletes. We're going to get more into those athletes next. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to the everydayers. Got a Winky Wednesday coming up next. We're going to dive into more prospects. We've got uh, Darrell Luter that Croc's been diving into the tape on, and we always lean on our DB expert here, Eric Crocker, when it comes to DBs. And Ronnie Bell, Michigan, I think are the two next prospects that we're going to do deep dives on here as members of the San Francisco 49ers. So thanks, everybody, for checking us out. And make sure you check out the Peacock and Williamson Show daily, talking about the entire NFL right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, Peacock, I do, yeah. do want to start this segment by saying, you know, identifying the talent is one thing. Knowing how it's going to play out is a totally different thing that's extremely difficult to predict. So I am never going to be a, a, a like this hot take guy and say what a player won't be or right. will be that's not my thing i can say i bet on you know trick tick brown's uh just the person that he is and his playmaking ability that he has shown all the way through that has gotten him to this point and i'd say man you know it feels like he's going to be a guy that's a, a a safety in the nfl for eight years right like just an a plus year safety in the nfl uh but i'll never say well he's not fast so he's, he's going to be a bust or oh right. uh, he you know, or, oh, no, he's going to be amazing. Like, I'm not going to go either way. He's going to have to decide the type of NFL career that he wants. But right now, he's set up. He's made up of all the right stuff, and it feels like he's in a position to be a legit good safety in the NFL. Yeah, it's really important because we give our scouting reports and our opinion about what a guy is and kind of how it looks like he's going to become and, and what we envision, what type of player he'll be in the NFL. But you never know exactly, and we're not going to sit here and say uh, that somebody can't be something. I think the best example of it is uh, is Aaron Banks because it was like, ah, I don't know. It doesn't look like he fits at all. And he, he fit last year, right? And that was a surprise to me. And I think it was probably a surprise to you. But we didn't say that he can't ever be good. We just said that this doesn't look like he's a fit. And if we had to project what he's going to be, I don't know if he's a great fit for the 49ers. He came back, changed his body a little bit, uh, got back to his original left side. And all of a sudden, boom, he's a starter after not even being able to make an appearance with the 49ers for his entire rookie year. And so you're never going to say that a guy can't do that. Yeah. I always think that's wild when people do that. Yeah. It's the athletes are made to prove people wrong. Like most of them, that's what they've been doing their whole lives. Heck, Tig, I don't know why he was at a junior college. 
but maybe, you know, I know a lot of people go because of grades when they have that type of ability, but you never know. Maybe everybody just passed on them. Oh, we don't want this five, you yeah, know, was- 11 guy that's, that's okay. We don't know exactly, you know, he's not the fastest of guys. He goes to camps. Maybe he's not flashing like some of the other camp guys. So people passed on him. And his whole thing was, I'm going to prove these people wrong. I'm going to go ball out for two years at this Lackawanna Junior College or whatever it's called. And then I'm going to go to Penn State, ball out there in two years, become team captain, and get drafted third round. Like, the, the, the guys, they, they are made to prove people wrong. Yeah, he's probably already got his chip on his shoulder just from the recruiting process. Yeah. You know, he's had that. He's He's been cultivating that chip for five years already. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I want to share this here because it's super interesting. And um, those of you out there that follow the draft are probably pretty familiar with at MathBomb on uh, Twitter and the relative athletic score, the RAS, the RAS scores. And um, I'm going to bring it up on the screen here for those of you watching this on the YouTube channel. And it's um, it's something that is fascinating to me because when it comes to athleticism and when it comes to uh, when you watch tape and you say, okay, well, this guy's fast, this guy's not. And, and when uh, the thing that they do here with the ath- relative athletic score, I love it because it just it spits out a number and you're able to see. Um, and by the way, you can go to at Math Bomb on Twitter and find all the uh, all the the different players in their specific how they got to this number. And you can see right away that the 49ers didn't have huge athletic scores on their team. And we knew that by watching the tape. We knew that by the testing numbers that we saw. But this kind of just brings it all down into one thing. And uh, on the screen, we can see the entire draft class for the 49ers this year. And they only have two real plus athletes as far as testing numbers go. And that was surprisingly the, the best athlete as far as relative athletic score. It takes into account height, weight, speed, your uh, explosion, the jumps, your speed, your lateral agility. It, it takes all of it into account uh, versus your position group. So for Darrell Luter, who it turns out is the most athletic as far as testing goes of the San Francisco 49ers draftees, 8.47 out of 10. Uh, relative athletic score and that's in the you know it's it's not quite elite but it's it's a really good level of athlete that Darrell Luter is out of South Alabama 49ers fifth round cornerback versus other cornerbacks and he was the most athletic player that the 49ers drafted and we talked about Jair Brown not looking like a a supreme athlete sometimes on the field and his testing numbers weren't great 5.96 5.96 relative athletic score which is pretty mediocre as far as athletes go uh, versus other safeties in the NFL. There's no relative athletic score for kickers. But um, Cameron Latou, 6.23, kind of mediocre athletic score. Robert Beal, I'm surprised, but he didn't have very good jumps in the explosion numbers, even though he ran 4.4 at six, uh, just a hair under 6.4 and just a hair under uh, 250 pounds. And I guess for a defensive end, that's a little undersized for a defensive end versus some of these 270 pounders that are six, five. So I think from a size perspective, uh, he doesn't really stand out. And from some of his, um, athletic testing, even though he ran four fours, you would think he'd be an athletic freak and rank high at, in ra- relative athletic score, but he didn't, it was 7.43, which is good. Not great. Uh, D winters is a short, fast, uh, at linebacker 5.71. I think, you know, height probably has something to do with that. Um, 
Braden Willis, really bad testing numbers, 4.71 was his relative athletic score, which is pretty poor. Ronnie Bell was the second best of the 49ers, 8.2 relative athletic score. And then uh, Jalen Graham, Purdue linebacker, the final pick, 255 overall for the 49ers, 4.33, which is also poor. And the worst relative athletic score of the 49ers draft picks there. Now, this doesn't mean anything about what kind of player they're going to become, but the 49ers clearly didn't tag target athletes in this class. And we had talked about after day two, Croc, or after the third round, Croc, um, yeah, day two, that, oh, yeah, the 49ers didn't really draft a lot of traits yet. And they kind of did a little bit more in the fifth round. But even then, it wasn't a traitsy draft for the 49ers. It was a tough guy draft. It was a um, special teams draft. And I just think that this relative athletic score drives that point home. Right. The 49ers are definitely looking for certain type of guys and I think they value that over the athletic traits which I guess can be good and bad now here's where it works out right and this is the part where it's like well Croc can't have it both ways Nick Bosa not a great athlete uh Josh Allen the edge rush out of Kentucky was a better athlete but they went with the guy that we just think is a better football player Mm -hmm. and I think they do that more times than not Debo Samuel I think DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, a couple guys from that same class, they were on the board. 49ers could have had any of them. I would assume, and you can look at it, but maybe their relative athletics were, I don't know. D- DK's might be low because of his poor uh, agility drill. That would have held him back. He would have been off the charts in the explosions and the, the height, weight, speed, but not in the uh, agilities. Right. Who, I, I mean, who told him to do that? Like, just don't do the drills. Oh, dude, as soon as he showed up and ran that 40, pack it up and go home. Right. Or, or, or your 40-inch vertical, too, probably. Right. But, um, you know, the 49ers have shown to say, you know what, we're not going to rely on athletic traits. Now, my big, I guess, gripe with that is they definitely have a lot of good football players, and this is a, they've built a well-oiled machine, right, from just top to bottom. It's a good roster. I feel like one of the better rosters in the NFL. I, I do think that, especially offensively, on, on the perimeter – they could have guys that just scare you a little more. And I think the way that Kyle has built this offense with the receivers, and you can even add Ronnie Bell to that. I've been watching him. Can't wait to break him down. There's some good stuff. I know I've been down on him. It's not about him. It was more so about some guys that they could have had higher, maybe in the third round. And it's like, well, we want to get Latou instead of getting a more dynamic receiver, et cetera, whatever. But watching Ronnie Brown is very clear. He fits. He's a very Kyle Shanahan type of receiver and kind of fits that mode as well. It's like, who scares you? Now, Debo scares you after the catch. It's like, once he catches the ball, it's like, oh, damn, here we go, right? George Kittle, now, he he can scare you from an athletic standpoint, but uh, a lot he of has good. Like, he has a really good relative athletic score. Right. When I look at, like, receivers and I have to guard them, right, and I'm looking at that, it's like, the 49ers receivers wouldn't scare me. Like, I feel like on all of them, I you can create separation at the top of routes, but I feel like I'm going to be in position to make a play. And there are some receivers where you line up, and you're just like, one bad step, and it's over. And the 49ers <laughs> haven't targeted that type of guy, and clearly the RAS, the relative athletic score, uh, kind of kind of displays that. And it hasn't mattered. Terrific roster. They play extremely well. It's just, you know, who truly pumps fear in your heart when you line up across from this guy? Like, who is Jalen Ramsey like, okay, I got to worry about this. I, I don't think he's worried about anything other than, okay, Debo, if he catches the ball, I got to tackle him. 
and this is just shorthand too. It's not like you're ch- no nobody's chasing relative athletic scores because you want to see it on tape and you want to see the player be athletic. But usually, when someone's really athletic on tape and they test well, and they're gonna have a good relative athletic score. And ideally, you have both glass eaters, dudes who are all about it. They're captains. They're leaders. They're high energy, right? And and they have a high character. They're exactly wired the way you want, and they have tons of elite athleticism you know you, you hope you get both of those together and that's what made george kittle so special because he did have both he just it wasn't used as a pass catcher much it was kind of hidden in college so maybe uh darrell Luter because he went to a smaller school uh is that guy that hidden gem and again maybe he's the guy that the 49ers hit on in the fifth round uh robert beal maybe is that guy like seeing his get off even though he doesn't have a great vertical which is usually one of those explosive metrics that shows that he actually still shows that even though he didn't have a great vertical jump for whatever reason obviously has a lot of speed and a lot of length and so a lot to work with with some of these players but for the most part they the 49ers did not lean toward elite athletes in the 2023 draft and i do want to bring up the relative athletic scores just to kind of show you uh what it looks like for some other teams and the team that lean the most heavily toward athletic traits and it's pretty wild to see the relative athletic scores for the new England or the uh, indianapolis colts from this draft class. And, and partly I bring up the Colts because I, I liked their draft class, but man, when you see what their testing numbers look like, it was pretty wild. And it starts off with a 10 out of 10 athletic score versus <laughs> other quarterbacks in the history of the world. And that is Anthony Richardson. But it, this is crazy crock, all elite athletes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see all of these testing numbers for the Colts all in green. Uh, they're swinging for the fences. They're trying to hit home runs with these draft picks. And I really like a lot of the picks they made. And some of them, Darius Rush is on here, right? He had great testing numbers. I don't think you liked him on tape, right? Right. Uh, I thought he was a little clunky with his movement skills. Went in that fifth round area, right around where Darrell Luter was was drafted. And I, I think from what I've seen from Darrell Luter, I like Darrell Luter better than Darius Rush. Darius Rush has a better relative athletic score, though. But here's what's crazy, Croc. The worst athlete that the Colts drafted as it, as it uh, pertains to relative athletic score, was their sixth-round defensive end, Titus Leo, who I've never seen, out of Wagner College. And I don't know if I've even seen Wagner play football ever. The, with a 211th pick, he had an 848 relative athletic score. That was the worst relative athletic score That's in the crazy. entire draft class. They drafted a lot of dudes here, the Colts did. And that is still a better relative athletic score than the best athletic score by by dot oh one eight four seven versus eight four eight of the 49ers best athlete in their class so do I just you think that they're that. aware of that do you think they're aware of you know when they go into it because the relative athletics were i mean they might have some of these teams are using an outside source i'm sure teams have their own whether it's just this exact thing or something very close to it these teams all have an analytic departments and they have some kind of a, a an athletic score they have to yeah because this, it does not feel random when you see this. I mean, you guys listen to the audio right now. You can't see it, but it's lit up in green. The 49ers had some red, some yellow. You saw two green. You know, it was like, okay, you know, whatever. This, there has to be, how many guys did they draft? 11 guys, 12 guys? Yeah, they had a dozen draft picks, the Colts did. All of them green, all of them elite athletes. The worst athlete from a relative athletic score was better than the best athlete from a relative athletic score perspective that the 49ers drafted. It's just crazy. pretty wild. Yeah, um, and a lot of the players I like, like Blake Freeland. Is I was just about to mention that. A lot of people yeah. like Blake Freeland. You, you see him. Uh, shoot, Josh Downs, the receiver out of North Carolina. There were some people that 
speculated maybe he would be a first round pick. I didn't think first round, but for them to get him in the third round is like that's a good deal. Like if you and again, you gotta see how he fits, right? They're pairing him with uh Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. Yeah. I think he compliments those guys extremely well being able to work in that slot. They needed a Josh Downs. And look, he's still got an eight nine nine athletic score even though he's really small so you know that part of his score is is really low so that's how athletic he is to make up for it and still have an elite score uh blake freeland uh atomiwa Adabare was somehow there in the fourth round still they swooped him up as well along with freeland in that class um daniel scott from so this, this is see this is what will i love mallory. about it too. i know you liked will mallory really athletic tight end i think he had the fastest 40 time of all the tight ends at the combine but the two picks before that in the fifth round, Darius Rush and Daniel Scott, uh, both tested really well. We didn't like their tape. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, Will Mallory, that's the one where it's like, you know, we, I saw, you know, you, you draft the two, and it's like, dang, like there's, there's just more upside with him. But again, these things, we're looking at these scores right now, y'all. This does not mean that they will be better better than the 49ers players. Exactly. It right. just means that Eric Crocker thinks they got good value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's good value. I, I didn't like Scott the way that people were talking about him. Like, how were they talking about Scott? You know, it was first round, like second round type safety. And I'm like, this ain't no second round safety. But you get him in the fourth round or fifth round, like then, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I like that. I just didn't think he was a first round or second round safety. Right. Yeah. Well, he was getting projected to the 49ers in that round three area. He's like, no, nope, let's talk day three, round four, round five, round six, round seven, something like that. I would like Daniel Scott. And because of that testing, he went, he went in round five. And, and that feels right. Better spot. And Darius Rush, too. Same thing. He was getting mocked to the Niners in the third. He went in the fifth. But that's what the tape, that's, that's the story the tape told. I think we would have both liked those guys a lot better in the fifth. And Mallory, than, right? Like Mallory was getting yeah. mocked in that range, but it was like, I feel like more of a fourth, fifth round pick. So I think that part too, where if you hear kind of some excitement in my voice is because I am really big on value. I heard somebody say, if if another uh, podcaster uh, says uh, uh, value, I'm going <laughs> to pistol whip them, right? I saw that on Twitter. But my thing is like, man, I think that's, it's it's a real thing. And if you look it's at important. how they drafted, they got good value. doesn't mean that they're going to be good. But if they whiff on these guys, at least it's like, well, he had the athletic traits. Quite, it didn't quite work out, but we're going to take enough, enough swings at these high-level athletic guys to where, hey, can we get five of these 12 guys to be able to like play and, and start for us? And if anybody has drafted well, they de definitely the Colts. They, they've done a good job. They just haven't had the quarterback. They've been trying to piece together the quarterback position with Carson Wentz. Then that and where you know you had the Phillip Rivers experience. He was kind of old. They did go to the playoffs though, and then you had the uh matt ryan is like it's time for this guy to retire and then they benched him and had to play uh sam ellinger so like they just have had a tough time at with the quarterback position but outside of that they've built a pretty good team well they put together some athletes they need to supplement i think they've been a little too draft and develop there they did have some lean years in the draft they had the the big darius leonard and um quentin nelson draft then they had a couple of drafts that didn't bring a lot of value and and then I liked their draft last year, and then this year I, I liked a lot of their picks. And obviously they they got a ton of athletes in there. They got a new coach, a new quarterback. So that's what's really going to tell the story about what the Colts end up being. And again, just because you have a great relative athletic score or you're super fast or super tall doesn't make you're going to be a great football player. I just thought it was such a stark difference in just the pure athletes 
that the 49ers brought in versus what the Colts brought in in this draft class. And uh, the 49ers clearly leaned heavily one way and the uh, Colts leaned heavily the other way. Colts also drafted Nick Scott. And I'm pretty sure his relative athletic score is probably high. Nick, Nick Scott, excuse me. Uh, Nick. Uh, oh, Nick Cross last year. Cross. Well, this is the Cole second Cross. year because everyone's like, hey, Ballard loves those traits because last year they went Pierce, crazy athletic score. Uh, Bernard Raymond, who's kind of going to battle with um, with Freeland, I think, for that offensive tackle. He was similar guy, sort of a raw, really toolsy, athletic uh, offensive lineman. Nick Cross, off the charts, relative athletic score as well. So he drafted four or five of those guys last year, too, that would definitely be in the elite category of athletes. All right, fun stuff. Very interesting. The NFL draft, and of course, we won't really know the answers for a couple of years with all of these prospects, but we're still breaking them all down. And next will be Ronnie Bell, right, Croc? And maybe Kyle uh, Luter. Those will be the two next prospects that the 49ers drafted in 2023 that we will deep dive into. So stay tuned to Locked On 49ers. 